Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. About three weeks ago, like I thought, I even told my husband, I was like, hey, I got my message. And he was like, and he was like, three weeks out. I was like, yep, I got it. Holy Spirit talked, like I'm good. So then I start trying to put it together. It wasn't quite meshing. So I was like, okay, something's not working. And then I just kept, I kept trying to cram it together and make it work and make it fit. And it just wasn't working. But I was like, well, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just, you know, I'll pray, see if I get something else. Well, on Sunday evening, all of a sudden, totally different direction. So like four days ago, up until four days ago, I was going to talk about something else. But the Holy Spirit really brought it to me that something that needs to be talked with and talked about openly and dealt with is, a, is, is healing. But when I say healing tonight, I'm not talking about physical healing. I'm talking about emotional heart healing. Those are two different things. Physical healing is extremely important. But if your heart isn't right, and I'm not talking about your physical heart, I'm talking about your emotions, your, does that make sense when I say a heart healing that that everyone's following me? So when I talk about, when I say the word healing tonight, I'm talking about a heart healing, an emotional healing. I have seen a lot in the last couple of months that people are just going through some real situations, some situations that they may not have wanted to be in, situations that are very difficult, that are um, challenging, that they did not want to go through, but here they are. And so maybe that's why God kind of brought this to me. I'm not sure, but um, I'm just going to dive right in. As I was preparing for this message, God took me to the story of Job. Has anyone ever read the story of Job? Job is very long. I don't know if y'all realize that. It's a very long story. So I'm not going to read all of it tonight because we would be here until the morning if I read it all. But it, so, and I'm also not going to have uh, scriptures up on the screen because I'll be jumping around a lot. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. If you want, follow along with me, pull out your phones, I, you pull out the Bible, whatever you have. If you want to read with me, you can, or you can just listen to me as I read it. So here we go. Job 1, verse 1 through 3. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. What a title, right? He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among the people of the East. What a powerful title. I mean, I know I am not known as the greatest person in Victoria, that's for sure. You know, like what a title to have thrust upon you, right? But you'll see he lives up to it. So I'm going to jump a little further down if you're following along with me. Job 1, 13 through 22. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the, Sa- and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, 
the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. As if that was not enough, he literally lost every animal he had and most of his servants. Is that what, if that was not enough, it continues. While that man was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So literally in about, what, a minute, his entire world was gone. His entire world collapsed in a matter of seconds. Everything he knew, everything he loved was gone. I've heard someone describe that, this portion of Job's story, as that it's as if waves were just crashing over him one after another. When I read that, I was like, those aren't waves, those are punches. I mean, he just kept getting punched in the gut right, I mean, just constantly, one after another. I mean, and, and first it was, his, it was his oxen, donkeys, and servants, and then it was his sheep and servants, then it was his camels and servants, and if that wasn't enough, then it was his children. But then his story continues. So in Job 1, 20 through 21, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. So I want to stop right there for a second. My first point is worship. How did, did you catch that? So he hears all of this bad news. It's, it's coming at him, right? Just right, one after the other. It's coming at him. And one of his first responses was he fell to the ground in worship. How do you hear? I don't know about you, but if my entire world just fell around me, I don't know if my first response would be worship. It should be, but I don't know if it would be, if I can be totally honest with you. How, how did he make his first response worship? He made his first response worship because he knew God was good. He knew God was good regardless of the circumstance that he was going through, regardless of the situation he was in. God's goodness is not dependent on your situation. I'm going to say that one more time. God's goodness is not dependent on your situation. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you've been through, God is still good. Amen? God is still good, no matter what's happened, no matter what you've been through, no matter what has taken place around you, no matter if you've wanted it or not, God is still good. And so that's why he was able to worship in the worst moment of his life. I think we can all agree that was most likely the worst moment of his life, when he literally lost everything. But his first response was worship. That's why he was able to worship, because he knew God was good. Job 122 says, so right after that, after you hear that he fell to the floor in worship, right after, right after that it says, through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. What a powerful message right there. He didn't blame God. His entire world just got taken away from him. Everything he worked for, the kids he loved, the kid, everything. He just lost it all. But he did not blame God. 
Not one time did he blame God. His pain and suffering were, were so much at one point in Job 2.9, it says, uh, his wife sa- says to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, that's pretty strong. If my husband told me that, I'd be like, whoa, okay, hold on. <laughs> like, that, that's a pretty strong statement, right? right? Especially coming from your spouse. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Though Job, uh, Job did maintain his faithfulness to God throughout all of his struggling. He struggled so deeply, and the pain and sorrow were almost too much to bear sometimes. But he did remain faithful. He even cries out at, at one point and says, Why did I not perish at birth and die as, a, and, and die as I came from the womb? He was filled with so much pain and so much sorrow that he wished he had never even lived. I've never personally experienced that kind of pain. But I can't imagine what that must be like. And I know Job's not the only one that has experienced that. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get too um, serious tonight. This is a serious topic, and I felt the Holy Spirit has led me to to this. Um, So I hope I'm not scaring anyone or, you know, getting too serious, but um, I'm just going to where God, to where I feel God has led me to go. And so it is, it is serious, but um, I hope you still get something out of it tonight. So he just said, so again, he just said, he was like, why? I wish I would have never lived than to have to gone through this pain and suffering. I wish I would have never had to have lived than to have to go through this pain and suffering. I think it's safe to say, that Job needed a heart healing. I think that's safe to say he needed a emotional, a heart healing in this moment. Uh, I'm going to continue on Job 2, 11 through 13. I have a lot of scripture tonight, so just bear with me. Job 2, 11 through 13. When Job's three friends, okay, and I don't know how to say these names, so bear with me. Um, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. And I practiced them, y'all, and I still can't remember them. So here we are. Um, you, you, you get the drift. He has three friends that I just named. Those were three friends. Okay. Uh, so those three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Verse 13, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. This brings me to my next point, which is just friends. Either... If you're going through something, embrace the people that, that God has sent you to be around you. Or if you know someone who is going through something, be that friend. It goes both ways. But if you are the one that is going through something, God will send you people to, to be there with you, to sit with you, to, to just simply, now for women, you, we probably couldn't go seven days without talking. Uh, men probably could, but as a, woman, you, as a woman, you probably couldn't go seven days without talking. But sometimes all you need to be is just there. 
Sometimes that's all somebody needs is just for you to be there. Now, I'm not saying when I say for you to embrace the people that God has given you, embrace the God. Embrace the people that God has given you, but I'm not saying don't go and tell everybody all your business. That's not what I'm saying. So I hope y'all understand the difference. There's a difference when God brings you someone to help you through this season or to help you through this time than versus just telling any person that you see. Um, you have to be careful on who you do confide in, but you do need to confide in someone because God has never intended for you to walk alone. God, and a lot of people look at that as just like a marriage, but it's not, it, it is marriage. I mean, I'm so, I, I'm married and I'm, I'm thankful I don't have to do life alone, but I need someone outside of him too. Sometimes I might need a friend to just sit there with me. Sometimes I might need someone to just sit there and be there. So it, it does not just apply to marriage, it applies to friendships as well. So embrace the people that God has given you. What I have seen is that whenever it's like a physical healing, a lot of times people are very open about it, and as they should be. I'm very thankful for that. If someone needs a physical healing or they have a physical ailment, they will talk about it. And people are very quick to get behind them and stand with them and believe with them and believe for the healing. A lot of people are very quick to do that. But oftentimes when it's a heart healing when you're going through an emotional distress, whenever you're going through an emotional situation, sometimes that's not always met with, hey, I'm standing with you. Sometimes that, that's met with shame. Sometimes that's met with, well, you shouldn't have done that, or you shouldn't have done this. Sometimes it's met with more shame than it is with, I'm with you. Does that make sense? Okay, so luckily, so like I said, I don't, we don't have, that much time? Okay, cool. Um, so I'm not going to read all of Job's story just because it is very long. But luckily, Job's story does not end there. So just I'm going to fast forward to the very end of Job's story so you can kind of see what God did come the end. So in Job 42, 10, um, God made Job prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had had before. Job 42, 12 the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. So I know I went really fast, but I, all the middle part, I'm like, I can't cover all of that. Well, yeah, we'll be here so long. So I just covered the important parts of what I feel like, like God was trying to pull. So we just saw that in the beginning, he lost everything. He literally lost everything. But he chose to worship God first, and he embraced the friends that God sent him to get him to his healing, to get him to his emotional healing. But I don't, I don't think that Job knew that God was going to bless him twice as much as what he had before. I don't think Job knew that. But what Job did know is that God was good. You're going to hear me say that a couple more times tonight. What Job did know is that God was good. And because God was good, he had hope to get him to his healing. That's my last point is hope. He had hope to get him to his healing because he knew God was good. Jesus is your hope. 
whenever you're going through something, whenever you're going through a situation, whenever you know someone who's going through a situation, the best thing you can do is show them that Jesus is their hope. Right? The best thing that you can do is show them that Jesus is their hope. Job didn't know what his life would be like after the disaster. But he had hope because he had God. There is hope because of God. I have uh, a, just a few more scriptures to talk and a few, a few more scriptures to, to go over. I can go ahead and have the worship team come or whoever just come play up and come up and play piano. So the last thing I want to talk about, and it actually doesn't have to do with Job. Uh, this is probably a pretty common scripture. It's Ecclesiastes 3, which is known as the time for everything passage. And um, I'm going to read it, and I just want you to, to listen and, um, and hear what this says. So Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 7. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from, from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. So literally, I mean, there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. If there is, if, if you have gone through something or if you are going through something, through that emotional healing and you need that emotional healing, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge the weeping in the morning part. Because it's there and that's okay. I am not telling you to move past it. Be like, okay, no, she said, okay, I can't stay there. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, you have to acknowledge the weeping in the morning part of it. Especially if it comes to, well, with anything. But a lot of times you see this too with if you've had to say goodbye to a relationship. If you've had to step away from a friendship. If you've had to give up something. Not, not just relationship-wise, but if you've had to give up something. That can be very very difficult and very hard and very hard on your emotions, very hard on your heart. You have to acknowledge the mourning and the weeping part. But you know what? Job, we saw him. He was weeping, right? But what did he do when he was weeping? He still worshiped. He still worshiped. He was mourning and he was weeping. He was devastated if that's even a good enough word to describe what he went through. But he was still worshiping God. He still never blamed God. He still believed that God was good. He still knew that God was good. But he still wept. You have, I'm not, you cannot push your emotions down and put them in a bottle and tie the cap really tight. Because guess what? That cap gonna burst one day. That's not how it works. That's not how God works. It is, I just read it to you. It's in the Bible that there is a season for weeping. There is a season for mourning. So often in this day and age, you can't be emotional. If you cry, oh, she's just an emotional basket case. 
You know, I mean, right? Like in this day and age, it's like if you show the littlest bit, oh, she's crazy. And that, but God says, no, there's a time for weeping. There's a time for mourning. Now there's a balance, you know, I mean, I think you understand what I'm saying. But there's there's a season for mourning. There's a season for weeping. And that's okay. You have to acknowledge it. You have to know it's there. You have to weep. You have to mourn. And then you, and you worship while you're weeping and while you're mourning. You worship. You embrace your friends that God has given you. And you know that there is hope for a better future because God is in it. You hope. You know that there's a hope for a better future. You have that hope because God is in it. And then once the mourning and the weeping are done again, don't fast forward through it. There's a season for that. There's a season. I feel like someone, there's a season for for mourning and weeping. There's a season for that. There's a season for that. You can't just fast forward through it. So often, I don't even know why I'm getting emotional. So often people try to fast forward through it. supposed to because God says there is a season for that and it's okay there's a season for the mourning and the and the and the weeping but God doesn't want you to stay there because what comes after Weeping turns into laughing. Oh, praise the Lord. There truly is no better medicine than laughter. There is no better medicine than laughter. After mourning turns to dancing. Now, I'm not a very good dancer, but I mean, I would try. (laughs) But that is acknowledge the weeping and the mourning part of your healing process. That is part of the healing process process. Do you hear me? That is part of the healing process. But don't stay there. Don't fast forward through. When I say don't stay there, I'm not saying get through it quickly. You get through it at your pace and what God is calling you to do. You get through it at at your pace that you and the Holy Spirit can work through. Does that make sense? Do not fast forward through it, but don't stay in it. Because God has called you to so much more. So much more. He's called you to laughing and dancing. But even through your weeping and your mourning, going through that process, don't forget to worship. Don't forget to embrace the friends that God has given you to walk this with you. Because he'll put them in your life. Or you will be one of those friends for someone else. And know that there is always hope because you have God for a better future. Believe in the hope that is there. I am, um, I'm going to pray and then I'll hand the mic off. Um, so I'm just a couple minutes before 8. So once I get done praying and then I think I'll get you guys out by 8. Um, but if you don't mind, let's stand and then we'll pray and I'll pass it to Pastor Bobby or, and then, um, He'll tell us what to do next, okay? Lord, I just thank you and I praise you. Lord, you're so good, you're so holy, and you're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy, Jesus. 
Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for doing what you want to do. Lord, I thank you that our hearts are geared towards you. Our hearts are, are, are going towards you, Heavenly Father. Lord, if there's a healing that needs to take place in this house tonight, Lord, I ask that you begin to, to, to heal. You begin to talk. You begin to show them the way. You begin to show them on exactly what to do, Heavenly Father. Lord, we just thank you and I praise you for what you have done here tonight. We thank you for your sweet spirit. We thank you for your sweet spirit, Heavenly Father. Let us leave tonight encouraged and better than whenever we came in. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.